Thank you for listening to Gateway Church's Sermon of the Week. For more information about the ministry of Gateway Church and Pastor Chris Monahan, go to igateway.org. Many prophetic people are talking about a great shaking happening in September, and this is the first Sunday in September. And so it's, it's been interesting for me because when Pastor um, asked me to speak, I prayed about it, and he, uh, I felt like I should talk about Enoch. And so I thought it would be something completely different. I went out, I ordered in the books of Enoch and studied that. But it is about Enoch, but it's about this month as well. What we're going to talk about, you can see the title, What's in Your Pudding, comes from, uh, I was, it's like, where's our proof? Where's our proof? What shows us that God is with us? The proof is in the pudding. And um, that's actually from um, Man of La Mancha. It was a play written, I think, in the 1600s that says the proof is in the turnout. What, what you put into it is what you get. The proof of what you put into it is what you get. And so um, we'll get back to that. But the proof is in the pudding. And the proof is, and it, that comes from the narrative we believe. So, um, I'm just going to read from Genesis about Enoch. Enoch lived 365 years, walking in close fellowship with God. Then one day he disappeared because God took him, which doesn't say much, but we can look at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 5, and it says, Faith translated Enoch, within, excuse me, faith translated Enoch from this life, and he was taken up into heaven. He never had to experience death. He just disappeared from this world because God promoted him. For before he was translated to the heavenly realm, his life had become a pleasure to God. And that's what I want to talk about, what it means to walk like Enoch walked. And it's not religious. This isn't a religious thing. This is about getting real. You know, the truths that we're going to talk about this morning have been true for 2,023 years give or take a little bit. They were true in the book of Acts. They've been true in the dark ages, in the Renaissance, in colonization, in the industrial age. But we're being called back to the truths now. We've been called to the kingdom for such a time as this. What happened, the, the church after Jesus left exploded, was persecuted, went around the world, and carried great power for about 300 years. And then Constantine became the emperor of Rome and institutionalized the church. And as that happened, we got a little bit off the power. Then you had the, um, the church leaders and the laity, laity meaning the ignorant ones. And the body of Christ was forbidden to have the word. They had to listen to the control of the church leaders. And we veered away from the power. And the longer the time passed, the more off path we got. The more off path we got. And then there were Pentecostal revivals in the early 1900s, and we've been moving back a little bit at a time. But we have been taught wrong. This is not to be critical, but we have had no models of what it looks like to walk in the power of God. We have been made lazy. We have been made like children. What the worldwide government, what the deep state wants to do to us in the world, 
the church leaders, Satan using the church leaders, has done to us as the body of Christ. We have become passive and disempowered. And now is the time we've been called to the kingdom for such a time as this to walk in the authority and the power that Jesus Christ called us to walk in. To walk as Enoch walked. Now this isn't weird. This isn't where you walk staring off into space. I remember one time, this is going to sound critical, but it's just an example. I went to a church to hear a speaker come in and the speaker had a shower cap on and a dress and stared into space and didn't want to make eye contact with anyone because she was showing she was listening to the Spirit. Well, if you're listening to the Spirit, you will minister to the world because the world is the object of God's love. God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten Son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish and have eternal life. That's because we are sent to the world that God loves. We have been given authority as priests, a royal priesthood, a peculiar people. We are a called out people sent to the world. And instead, we have come to church and been nice, and no one has showed us what it's like to be the sent ones, the apostles. We, have, we even have churches that teach that, what do they call it, cessationist theology, that it all stopped when, G, when the apostles died. That is to disempower us. Let's say it's to castrate us of the power that we have in Jesus Christ to take away from who we are. Hebrews 11.5.6 says, Faith translated Enoch from this life and he was taken up into heaven. He never had to experience death. He just disappeared from this world because God promoted him. For before he was translated to the heavenly realm, his life had become a pleasure to God. And this is something, as I was preparing, that I noticed. I knew that about Enoch. And the, the, the verse that follows it, I have always loved. For without faith, it's impossible to please God. But I had not put it together that that was following what the scripture said about Enoch was that without faith, it's impossible to please God. For without faith living within us, the Passion Translation, it would be impossible to please God, for we come to God in faith knowing that he is real and that he rewards the faith of those who passionately seek him. And I think a problem we've acquired over the centuries is that we apply Jesus to certain times in our life. When we get the family together for Thanksgiving, we say a prayer or when we're at church, or when we're reminded of a desperate situation, we turn to the Lord. Instead of walking in the fullness of God, we were created to walk in. In other words, walking like Enoch walked, with our focus on the Lord, trusting him, that's faith. Trusting him that he is real. He's real in every challenge. He's not just real when we're desperate. He's real even when we're a little desperate. He's real when we're facing challenges on our job. He's real with the jerks that we have to deal with in life. He's real. And he's calling us to turn to him that will use his energy to meet the need. There's a man I know who was hurt and had to go into rehab. And all he did in rehab was gripe and complain because he didn't like being there. Well, he had forgotten he's a Christian man that he was sent there 
to minister to the nurses, to the aides, to the physical therapists, the kingdom of God. We are the windows to the kingdom. You are the windows to the kingdom. And the Lord is using every circumstance that you come into to transform you into a clear glass so that the world can see the Father and see the Son. So the question we can, all, we can ask in every situation is, Lord, what can I learn here and how can I magnify you in this situation? When I'm driving down the street, when I'm behind the slow driver, or when someone cuts me off, or, 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 or the thing I need for my recipe I'm gonna cook for the family isn't at the store, or when my son spills ink all over the floor, or he's there. He doesn't quit being there in the nuances of life. He's, he doesn't quit being there when we don't know what to do. As a matter of fact, his strength is perfected in our weakness. So when we're in that place of frustration and we don't know what to do, that's the place we can turn to him and he will birth the kingdom into it. He will set us free of the circumstances or he'll show us how to go through the circumstances, but he wants to manifest himself through those circumstances, through to us and through us, that we will believe he is. For we come to God in faith knowing that he's real. He's not just something we talk about. It's, and he's certainly not something we apologize for when someone doesn't like our point of view. He is real, the creator of the universe in us. And we're going to go through some scriptures that are going to talk about that. Enoch walked with God. And the Hebrew for walked is halak, to walk alongside of, at a pace, to behave like, to come continuously, to be conversant. Enoch was a man who I'm sure had problems. He had to find food to eat. He had children to raise and grandchildren. 365 years, you'd have a bunch. All the complications of life Enoch had, but he walked with God. And that's the point, that we walk with God. When we're bored, that we walk with God. When we're excited, that we walk with God. When we're confused, that we walk with God. Because he is. He is. He is. He is. In every situation in our lives. And if we'll just turn to him, he'll work his good in it. God works good in all things to those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. He's working his good in it. Enoch pleased God, it said in Hebrews 11.5. And the Greek word for pleased is eurestio, which is to greatly pleasure or to entirely please. He entirely pleased God. Was he not perfect? I would say no. Did he have problems? Yes. But he entirely pleased God to the place that God took him up without death because he walked with him. He didn't have the benefit of a Holy Spirit living within him. It was 100% faith. Enoch walked 100% faith. He believed God was, and so he lived his life turned to him. And we can do the same thing. So it's living a life turned to him. It's based upon the word of God. But there's the second thing that we do besides knowing him, knowing that he's good. He is. He's all goodness. 
He hasn't forgotten us. His plans won't ever be for evil. They'll always be for good. They'll always be to give us a hope and a future. They will always lift us. His plans for us are for a future, a destiny he created us to walk in. Now this month, September, many are saying will be a great shaking, but not in the kingdom. I feel so blessed to be able to talk to you the first Sunday of the month because we need to get our eyes off of the world. The proof that we have isn't going to look like the world's proof. The world's pudding, <laughs> if you will, is not our pudding. Our pudding is the glory of God, the hope I have in Jesus Christ. Our proof is his goodness. Our proof is his love. Our proof is his call on our lives. Our the pudding we have before us is filled with glory, filled with truth, filled with the sincerity and the life in the kingdom of God. It's a pudding full of life. That's our proof. The problem is, and let me give you a little testimony, is I had a few years of really a lot of stress. And I've always said since I was saved that I kind of got confused about what part was mine to steward and what part was mine to be still and see the salvation of God. Does anybody relate to what I'm talking about? You know, how do you do that? And so I went through these years of stress and I got stressed out and all these things happened. And I was wanting to trust God. And so I've come through now and I look back and I recognize some things I want to share with you. I totally burnt my adrenal gland out. I lost 30 pounds. I lived a life stressed. And there's a, oh, somebody you can see on TVN who has a book out that says, do it afraid, don't you dare. Because that's what I did for six years. Don't do it afraid. Do it, turn to him. Believing that he is. See, what confused me is I thought that I should, I should, integrity meant that I would be almost like OCD doing it perfectly. And I didn't recognize that I was turned to myself, self-idolatry, not to him. And so I want to give you the benefit of my testimony, and that is do it, turn to him. Do it not having your expectations be your goal. Have it be God's, your trust in God. See, we've got to live it loosely. Having dreams that we're so fixated on that sometimes that becomes our goal instead of glorifying the Father. Am I making sense? If we turn to him, everything we do becomes an adventure because we don't know what he's going to do next. If we do it with our goal, you know, walking towards our goal of our goal, then we're going to get stressed if it looks like we're missing the goal. That's what happened to me. I thought it looked a certain way, and so I was trying to, and I thought it was obedience to God. I thought I was being obedient, but what I wasn't doing was resting by faith in his power in it, that however it turned out, it didn't matter because the proof was in the pudding that God is good. God is good. His plans for you are for good. His destiny for you is for good. Where he's taking you is for good. His preparations for you are for good. He's a good God. Every good gift comes from above. And you are his gift. You are the object of his love. He created us to be the objects of his love and to worship him in return. When we live our lives turned to him, then we're set free of the world's ways and we become purveyors of his glory. He wants us 
to purvey his glory, his glory to all around us. Habakkuk wrote, second Habakkuk, I think it's 22. The knowledge of the glory of the Lord will cover the earth as the water covers the sea. Where is that going to come from? That's going to come from the body of Christ, the people of God, showing his glory everywhere they go. In John chapter 14, verses 18 through 12, Philip spoke up, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be all that we need. And Jesus replied, Philip, I've been with you all this time and you still don't know who I am? How could you ask me to show you the Father for anyone who has looked at me has seen the Father? Don't you believe that the Father is living in me and that I am living in the Father? Even my words are not my own, but come from my Father, for he lives in me and performs his miracles of power through me. Believe that I live as one with my Father and that my Father lives as one with me, or at least believe because of the mighty miracles I've done. I tell you this timeless truth. The person who follows me in faith, believing in me, will do the same mighty miracles that I do, even greater miracles than these, because I go to be with the Father. Amen. That's you. That's you. Even greater miracles. But we have been trained to keep our eyes on the world. And our plumb line has been the world's plumb line. And our success has been the world's success. It's not a measure of how many people are in front of you. It's not a measure of how well you do it. It's only a measure of how obedient you've been because you're turned to the Father, allowing him to have his way through you, resting by faith. In Jesus' name, he's calling us not like it used to be. It'll never be like it used to be, nor should it ever be like it never was meant to be. About 20 years ago, I was teaching a, um, a class on the seven churches of Revelation. I was studying, and the Lord spoke to me and said, and Pastor Chris, I think, has even talked about that, that the different churches talked about different church ages down through the years, starting with the church of Ephesus and getting, ending up with the church of Laodicea that was lukewarm. And the Lord said, I'm going to bring the body of Christ back to the beginning. I had no idea what that meant, but don't you feel it? Don't you feel the draw? Don't you feel the draw to your first love? Don't you feel his desire for you? Aren't you hungry for him? He's calling us back to our first love. He's brought us back from lukewarm, but we don't know how it looks to be in our first love. We don't know how to be that passionate church. So we've got to do what Paul did and forget what's behind and press towards the mark of the high calling in Jesus Christ. And our measure has got to be the Holy Spirit of God, not the earth's, the world's plumb line. On the news, they're not going to tell you how to do it. And even Christian books, they'll tell you their part, and it can be good. But you've got to hear for yourself. It's time we spend in the secret place with the Lord, where we are worshiping and seeking him. And we may not even hear a word through it, but we realize when we come out of that time with the Lord, we know some things we didn't know when we went in. We have had gained some understanding of heaven we didn't have when we went in.
And he may speak to us words that we hear audibly, but we're changed by the time, by the time we spend with him, that we spend an in intimacy with him, worshiping our, on our own, just glorifying him, and he comes into our heart and brings change and sets us free from the world. John 14, 16 through 17, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another savior, the Holy Spirit of truth, who will be to you a friend just like me, and he will never leave you. The world won't receive him because they can't see him or know him, but you know him intimately because he remains with you and will live inside of you. Hallelujah. In you, in you, through you. John 14, 23, Jesus replied, loving me empowers you to obey my, see when we love him, then we're empowered to be obedient. If we don't believe he is, if we don't trust him, and we don't believe his love, we are not drawn into obedience. Then, then it's religion. It becomes dry. But let me read that again. Loving me empowers you to obey my word. And my Father will love you so deeply that we will come to you and make you our dwelling place. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You who have ears hear. He's alive and he's well and he's real and he doesn't look like what we've been told. It doesn't look like what we've been told. We won't act like they've been acting. We're going to act differently because we're going to have a relationship with the Lord that's going to set us ablaze. And it's not going to matter what anybody else says or thinks. We are being raised up to an army of warriors, spirit-filled warriors set free of the world. Jesus said, that's why I teach the people using parables. He's talking about the parable of the sower. Because they think they're looking for truth, yet because their hearts are unteachable, they never discover it. Although they will listen to me, they will full, never fully perceive the message, message I speak. The prophecy of Isaiah describes them perfectly. Although they listen carefully to everything I speak, they don't understand a thing I say. They look and pretend to see, religion. They look and pretend to see, but the eyes of their hearts are closed. Their minds are dull and slow to perceive. Their ears are plugged and hard of hearing. They have deliberately shut their eyes to the truth. Otherwise, they would open their eyes to see and open their ears to hear and open their minds to understand. Then they would turn to me, and I would instantly heal them. But how blissful are your eyes, for they see. Delightful are your ears, for they are open to hear all these things. Many prophets and godly people yearn to see these days of miracles that you've been favored to see. They would have given everything to hear the revelation you've been favored to hear. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! We're being called back. Hallelujah! You are the revival the world needs. Fan that flame. You are the windows to heaven the world seeks. Open your windows. Trust him. Believe. Know that he is. He is. 
and he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. This is fake. It's not pretty. It's not nice, but it's so real. Jesus said, talking in the parable of the sower, the one sown among thorns represents one who receives a message, but all of life's busy distractions, his divided heart and his ambition for wealth result in suffocating the king. Listen, it suffocates the kingdom message and it becomes fruitless. But what, had, what was sown on good rich soil represents the one who hears and fully embraces the message of the kingdom. Their lives bear good fruit. Some yield a harvest of 30, 60, even 100 times as much as was sown. Hallelujah. This is what the Lord's looking for from us. Fruit, because we know him. Fruit, because we believe him. I don't mean to be critical, but do you believe him? Only you can answer that for yourself. Do you believe him? Do you believe he's there when it's dark or it's cloudy? Do you believe it's there when a paralyzed person's in front of you? Do you believe he's there when someone's dying in front of you? Do you believe he's there when someone is so despairing in depression that they need to know the truth? Do you believe he's there? Do you? Each of us must ask that question ourselves. Are we, are we just tagging Jesus' name onto our situations, or is he Lord? Let me ask that one again. Is he Lord over every situation, or do we just tag his name onto our choices? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. James 1, 25 through 26 says, But those who set their gaze deeply into the perfecting law of liberty, freedom, are fascinated by and respond to the truth they hear and are strengthened by it. They experience God's blessing in all that they do. If someone believes they have a relationship with God but fails to guard his words, then his heart is drifting away and his religion is shallow and empty. Proverbs 4.23, so above all, guard the affections of your heart for they affect all that you are. Pay attention to the welfare of your innermost being, for from there flows the wellspring of life. In other words, you will respond to situations according to what you really believe in your heart. If you really believe it in your heart, you will respond the kingdom way. If you don't, you're left to yourself. Hebrews 3, 7 through 11 says, this is why the Holy Spirit says, if only you would listen to his voice this day. Don't make him angry by hardening your hearts like your ancestors did during the days of their rebellion when they were tested in the wilderness. There your fathers tested me and tried my patience. Even though they saw my miracles for 40 years, they still doubted me. See, they had it all, but they didn't really believe. When they went... The spies went, the two came back, Joshua and Caleb, and gave a good report. But the other ten said, there are giants in the land, and we're grasshoppers in their eyes. But here's where it gets really bad. And we're grasshoppers in our own eyes. Church, we've been taught to be grasshoppers. No more. No more. If you're there, if it's in your world, it's conquered. 
because the Lord, it says in the 139th Psalm, every one of your days are written in, in his books. So he knows where you are. He hasn't abandoned you where you are. He's a provided for where you are. If you'll just turn to him where you are, if you'll just believe him right where you are right at this time, he will perform mighty miracles and use you to perform mighty miracles. But you must believe that he is really, really. For 40 years, oh, they saw my miracles for 40 years and they still doubted me. This ignited my anger for that generation. And I said to them, they wander in their hearts just like they do with their feet and they refuse to learn my ways. My heart grieved over them, so I decreed they will not enter into my rest. To go on, Hebrews 3, 12 through 15. So search your hearts every day, my brothers and sisters, and make sure that none of you has evil or unbelief hiding within you, for it will lead you astray and make you unresponsive to the living God. This is the time to encourage each other to never be stubborn or hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Know the difference. For we are mingled, for we are mingled with the Messiah. If we continue unshaken in this confident assurance from the beginning to the end, for again the scriptures say, if only today you would listen to his voice. Don't make him angry by hardening your hearts as you did in the wilderness rebellion. You know, they were slaves in Egypt. And they cried out for deliverance. But when deliverance came, all they did was complain. They mewed. They, they left. And when they were out in the desert, when they were thirsty, they wanted to go back to Egypt. Because they, their, slave, their minds had been so slave-set. They had slave mentality. They didn't want to take responsibility for finding the Lord on their own. They wanted a slave master, even if it meant their back be beaten with a whip, so that they could have the comforts of their comfort zone. See, they knew the, the slave master's whip, but they didn't know the Lord. They had seen the, 12, or the 10 plagues over Egypt. They had walked through deliverance, but they didn't take it into heart and know that God is. They thought when they were thirsty in the desert, they would die of thirst. They thought that when they were hungry in the desert, they would die of starvation. They didn't apply the faith to their present situation that they had. Are you applying your faith to your present situation? Are you living in the fullness of what Jesus Christ has for you? So much so that when you're pinched, the kingdom comes out. Or when you're pinched, does cussing come out? <clears throat> now the little bit on Revelation. We're going to talk about the whore of Babylon. The Babylonian system is as old as the world. It is the spirit of the Antichrist. It is man doing what man wants. The Babylonian system is, is growing wild in this world right now. The deep state is all over the Babylonian system. But we can look and Revelation 17 and see what happens to the whore. But I don't want to be part of the Babylonian system, but we've bought the Babylonian system. We think we need to look like the world. We've bought their system. We see our success as having money. We pay our tithes so we'll get more back. 
we do good so people will see our good. Let's be honest. It's time to repent. For me too. I'm not pointing my finger at anyone else. Revelation 17, verses, verse 17. For God has put in their hearts to carry out his purpose for her by agreeing to give their kingdom to the wild beast until the words of God are fulfilled. As for the woman you saw, she is the great city Babylon, which rules over the kings of the earth. Boy, is that ever true. Revelation 18, 3. All the nations have drunk of the wine of her immoral passion, and the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her, and merchants of the earth have grown wealthy because of her power and luxury. Then I heard another voice from heaven saying, My people, come out from her, so that you don't participate in her sins and have no share in her plagues, because her sins are heaped as high as heaven. This is that day. Come out of her. The news don't hold your future. Your neighbors don't hold your future. You have a Lord who holds your future, and it's a good future. Hebrews 3, 16 through 19. The same people who were delivered from bondage and brought out of Egypt by Moses were the ones who heard and still rebelled. They grieved God for 40 years by sitting in their unbelief until they dropped dead in the desert. So God swore an oath that they would never enter into his calming place of rest because, rest all, because they disobeyed him. It is clear they could not enter into their inheritance because they wrapped their hearts in unbelief. 1 Peter 2, 7 through 10. As believers, you know his great worth, Jesus's. His preciousness is imparted to you. But for those who... Do not believe the stone that the builders rejected and discarded has now become the cornerstone and a stone that makes them stumble and a rock to trip over. They keep stumbling over that message because they refuse to believe it. And this they were destined to do. But you, you, you are God's chosen treasure. Priests who are kings, a spiritual nation set apart as God's devoted ones. He called you out of darkness to experience his marvelous light, and now he claims you as his very own. He did this so that you would broadcast his glorious wonders throughout the world. For at one time you were not God's people, but now you are. At one time you nothing, knew nothing of God's mercy because you haven't received it yet, but now you are drenched with it. Hallelujah. You were called to broadcast his glorious wonders throughout the world. Do you see some need around you? Then ask the Lord what your part is to show his glorious wonders to meet the need. Ask the Lord, what is my part? Because not all of it's your part, but some of it is. Satan will have you overextend, but if you're in relationship, you'll know just what to give and how and where. And your eyes will be off of the, the problem. Your eyes will be on the Lord. So that he can manifest his glory through it. 2 Corinthians 5, 20 through 21. We are ambassadors of the anointed one who carry the message of Christ to the world. As though God were tenderly pleading with them directly through our lips. So we tenderly plead with you on Christ's behalf. Turn back to God and be reconciled to him. 
For God made the only one who did not know sin to become sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God through our union with him, Christ. You are the righteousness of God. Romans 8, 28, 29. We are God's windows into the kingdom of heaven. The world sees his kingdom through our choices, our actions, and our responses to the challenges of life. We are God's masterpieces. You are God's masterpiece. You are his refrigerator art. You are his beloved, but you are his ambassador. An ambassador doesn't make his own decisions. An ambassador carries the government wherever he goes and carries the decisions of those he rep the leadership he represents. We are Christ's ambassadors. We turn to him for his answers, and we represent him as we lean into him, not in our perfection, but in his perfection, because his strength is perfected in our weakness. Hallelujah. So let's start being honest with one another. Let's say, I struggle with this. Maybe you can help me, or I can see you're struggling with that, and maybe I can help you, that we become unified in that communion that we took this morning, not only with Christ, but with one another, that we become this bride without spot or blemish. Set free of life circumstances. Romans 8, 28, 29. So we are convinced that every detail of our lives is continually woven together for good. For we are his lovers who have been called to fulfill his design purpose. For he knew all about us before we were born and destined us from the beginning to share the likeness of his son. That means the son is the oldest among a vast family of brothers and sisters who will become just like him. And that's what you're in the process of doing now. You're in the process of becoming just like him. So every difficult situation, every challenge of life, everything we, we see in here, we can ask, Lord, what would you teach me here? How would you transform me here? What can I do here? Because we're turned to him, and we're not judging ourselves by them, but by him. Does that make sense? We're, we've taken our focus off the world, and we're turning to the one who has the answer. Johnny Enlow says, the coming Elijah revolution will affect the entire world and will prepare the way of the Lord before his return. We sing that, don't we? Prepare ye the way of the Lord. According to scripture, Jesus will sit at God's right hand until his enemies are put under his feet. The Elijah revolution will accomplish this as God's end time emissaries confront seven nations greater and mightier than we. The Hittites, the Girgashites, Amorites, Canaanites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. One of our very own, Sue Eason, wrote a book about this. These nations correspond to seven mountains of global society. Media, government, education, economy, religion, celebration, arts, and family. With divine power and favor, revolutionaries will take these mountains for Christ. So we've got seven mountains, and we've all heard, probably, who knows Lance Wallnow? Lance Wallnow wrote a book years ago that talked about the seven mountains of society God has called us to conquer. Well, now this... Um, Johnny Enlow is talking about the same thing, and he didn't know about it. We are to conquer where we are. That means education, whatever, whatever, wherever we're called, 
We are called to, to conquer with the victory of Jesus Christ. That the seven mountains, the whore of Babylon, do you know what she sits on? Seven mountains. And I've heard people say that it was the seven mountains of Rome. I've even heard people say that Richmond has seven mountains. <laughs> but it's the seven mountains of society that she has owned that were to take away from her by the power and authority of Jesus Christ. You were called to take them away from her by the authority of Jesus Christ. And it's not by your strength, and it's not by your righteousness, it's not by your perfection, it's by his glory, his strength, his righteousness. He's just asking you to let it go, to step into it, let it go, keep your focus upon the Lord, and just respond, and you will do it, trusting him for his outcome, the victory. What is in your pudding? Is it the world's glory or the Lord's glory? What is it you're looking for? How do you gauge yourself? By the world's standards or by the Lord's standards? Jesus said, Mark 16, and he said to them, As you go to all the world, preach openly the wonderful news of the gospel to the entire human race. Whoever believes the good news and is baptized will be saved. And whoever does not believe the good news will be condemned. And these miracle signs will accompany those who believe. This is you. They will drive out demons in the power of my name. They will speak in tongues. They will be supernaturally protected from snakes and from drinking anything poisonous. And they will lay hands on the sick and heal them. Hallelujah. Now. It's now. It's now. A great shaking is coming. But we're called now to be those people, to be apostles to the world, to be disciples to be disciples, to be teachers, to operate in the giftings we have been created to operate in. Destiny is right now. And I promise you a shaking is coming. And if we're depending upon the world to, to show us who we are, we're going to fall. But if we depend upon the Lord to show us who we are, we will be powerful, mighty, chosen warriors for the kingdom in these end days. Hallelujah. This is for us now. It's for you now and me now. Will I step up? Will you step up? Just because the Lord gave me this revelation doesn't mean I don't have the same struggle. I'm struggling right here with you guys. But we are called, and it's not going to look like anything. See, we don't need to look at the world's model, and we don't need to look at what was modeled 10 years ago or five years ago or five months ago. We need to lean into the giver of life. We need to lean into the spirit of truth. We need to lean into the one who promised he would tell us all things of the kingdom. That we would respond to life from the kingdom and not from what our own energy has. His strength is perfected in our weakness. Something else. To know to do right and do it not is what? Sin. To, let's not sit. And he, they said that in Hebrews. You know, not to sin in our unbelief. So, I'm trying to pull this together. <laughs> How about we pray? Is it okay if we pray a prayer of repentance? That for anything that we have allowed to get in our way, why don't you stand and just reach out to him? Oh, Father, your word is true. You are merciful. 
You are wonderful. You're more than enough of everything we need. We exalt you and we praise you. We know, we know in our heads, but we need to know in our hearts the plans you have for us individually. And Lord, we repent. We repent of the, what we've done with what you've given us. We repent of our complacency. We repent of our nonchalance. We repent of our lukewarmness. And we repent that we've depended on others for what we should be getting for ourselves. So we turn now. We ask you to deal with our hearts. We open our hearts to you. Plow them and make them good hearts. That we'll have ears that hear and eyes that see. And we'll keep our gaze fixed upon you. That we will know you and become yours. Know you as a bride knows her groom intimately, knowing that you know us, and that we'll open up, we'll open up the curtains and show the kingdom, that we'll measure every action, every word we speak by you, and not by the world's standards. Help us, Lord, we need it. Prepare it for these days, prepare us for the shaking, help our hearts to be turned, and we thank you, Lord, because your heart's desire is to do all those things. So we thank you that you're doing it. We love you, we praise you, and we glorify you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now the things that I've been speaking about have been for believers. I'd like to ask if there's anyone here who would like to become a believer that has not. If there's anyone here who would like to join this army, army of the Lord's. And if so, if you would raise your hand. Okay, then we'll be satisfied that everyone here believes the Lord. These promises are for you. The prophets of old longed to know what you already have. And it's time to stop being complacent and to operate. So I'd like to ask if there's anyone here who would like prayer, encouragement. I ask our prayer warriors to come to the front and pray. That you would come to the front. There's no, we all need help. If you need encouragement, if you need a word, if you feel, felt something this morning that you felt would be something you'd like to have prayer for, please come forward. And know you're his. You are the object of his love. You are the beloved. He is love. And he created you to love and for you to love him in return. Thank you for listening to Gateway Church's Sermon of the Week. For more information about the ministry of Gateway Church and Pastor Chris Monahan, go to igateway.org.